So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome into Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Monday night as we are recording this following the conclusion of Media Week. It turned into Media Week somehow. Not sure how that really happened, but uh, we digress. Uh, And we got a really special surprise uh, over the course of this past afternoon. Uh, right before the Nuggets go off to training camp at UC San Diego tomorrow, Tuesday, and then on through the rest of the week. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is going to be a Denver Nugget for a very long time. And to help me break it all down, I am joined today by Gordon Gross, senior writer for Denver Stiffs and elite human as always. Gordon, how are you on this fine Monday evening? Like, you know, getting an extension for MPJ definitely puts some pep in your step. There is uh it's it's good. The birds are singing, the sun is shining, even though it's you know late as we record this. Like life is good. The the Cronkies decided to uh stare down the barrel of a bunch of tax money and pull the trigger. Like, good for them. It's it's kind of insane to to think about the amount of money that the Cronkies and the amount of money that the Nuggets overall have spent over the course of this last calendar year, two years, etc. And they're going to uh, spend again on Jokic in that mega extension he's about to get. So if they decided to do all this, they're going to pay him too, as they should. So no, the, the Nuggets are paying to keep it together. And as several people who know Kroenke have told me, you're never really sure what he's going to pay and what he's not going to pay. Uh, he definitely paid for this. Now someone get him to pay the altitude problem to go away, and we can all enjoy watching the Nuggets forever. Absolutely. And if you have been living under a rock, we are, of course, talking about the Michael Porter Jr. contract extension that happened during Monday afternoon. As always, I was away from my computer at the time. Gordon covered for me on Denver. Every time you step out, man, every time you step out, there's breaking news and you're like, but I'm looking for an apartment. (laughs) You know, I just bought a couch. (laughs) You know what it is? It's the two o'clock hour. I don't know what it is about the Nuggets, but it's every time the two o'clock hour hits from two to three, they drop their news. I don't get it. Like, hey, we, you we were, leave your house. 
I know. know. <laughs> just like, hey, sometimes I like to eat. It's it's uh it's, it's eat good. at one. There's no the two o'clock is not your hour, man. That's reserved now. Oh uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm gonna have to. That's 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 gonna be a change that I'm gonna make to my schedule. But hey, I mean, if it gets Michael Porter Jr. into a Nuggets uniform, that it's great. Yeah. Let's go through the details here a little bit. Yeah. So, in reality, it's it's not the five years, two oh seven million dollar contract that was advertised. What this is is a five year, one hundred and seventy two million dollar super max or not super max, a rookie extension. It's a rookie. Yeah. Yes. So here's how this works for everybody at home. Michael Porter, if he is given the rookie max, is entitled to twenty five percent of the salary cap for the 2022-2023 season, whenever that contract starts. Right now, the contract and, and the salary cap is projected at $119 million. So 25% of that is $29.75 million. That's the starting point of that contract. And in each of the subsequent seasons, the number goes up by 7.5%. Don't ask me why it's 7.5 and not 8, but I've, I've done the math. That's how it yeah, is. it's just very interesting. But five years, $172 million, unless he achieves all-NBA status during this particular year, in which case he moves from a 25% max to a 30% super max. Right. That's the Derek Rose rule. That is a rule that has, has been put into place for the elite of the elite young players. Luka Doncic, are, yeah. yeah, he already qualifies in that case. And I think Trey Young, I don't think he does yet, but he might. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He, he needs another all-star game for that, right? Because like, he made all-star, but not all-NBA. I think, so. well, yeah, I think I think you have to meet at least all NBA criteria. So I think tr- you're right. Trey Young still needs an, an all NBA season to get there, but there's no reason to think that he can't get there in this next season. And if, if he does, then he's going to be making an extra thirty five million. Same yeah. thing for Michael Porter, who's yep. 2018 draft class, one of the top players in that class, along with Luca, along with Trey, DeAndre Ayton, who will probably get signed. Shea Gilgis Alexander already got signed. Uh, this is a big, big deal for Denver. Uh, what were your initial thoughts on the contract when it came down? Um, I thought that Tim Connolly was jerking our chain by making sure that he dropped it the very second that media week was over. He was like, <laughs> look, guys, you're going to be asking me about this all week, and I'm not going to sign until the very last hour of the last day so that y'all can't talk to me about it. He literally held a press conference this morning and was like, I feel like negotiations are going very well on this extension and then signed it in the afternoon. You know who asked that question? Me. Yeah. (laughs) I asked that question. I'm like, Hey Tim, how's it going, man? I know that you said you're going to take care of Michael Porter jr. At the beginning of this year and that you, you take care of your guys. And that's something that money is no object. Hey, what's going on with this thing? How are we, how are we doing? And he said, Oh, I feel we're, we're doing very well is what he basically said. And so it's just very funny that. Yeah, yeah. He, he was he was very, very much right. He said that they were talking to Mark Bartlestein, named him by name, and probably wouldn't have done so if they didn't have a contract kind of on the docket. So that is pretty interesting to hear. Uh, were you ever worried that a deal wouldn't get done? No, no. I, and that's simply because Michael Porter Jr. under a max deal is tradable on anything short of a physical catastrophe. Like, I, he's, he's movable. He's more movable than guys who have already been moved. 
So if it doesn't work out, you just trade him for someone who does work out. I expect it to work out, but the salary cap is going up in 2025. Like the, the, the media deal expires and they're talking $75 billion for the next media deal. The last one was like 24. So the salary cap will be going up. Okay. Yep. Like they're projecting salary cap around $170 million around 2025. So if that's the case, um, then his deal signed for a big, big max right now is very reasonable in the middle of his deal. It's fine. Just to give people perspective, uh, 20% of 170 million is 34 million. So yeah. that's around where Michael Porter is going to be for the life of this deal. And so it's, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how that sort of progresses during the life of this, these new TV contract era where Denver, like you said, they're, they're probably going to get pretty expensive soon. And Stan Kroenke, Josh Kroenke, all of the Denver Nuggets personnel that are, have a, a vested interest in paying the tax, uh, they are probably rooting and praying for that, that number to shoot up as high as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The salary cap will go up. The salary tax will go up. It'll all go up. So the amount of tax that the Cronkies will be paying on these deals is not going to be nearly as much as it is under the current deal. They're still going to pay it. Uh, once you give Jokic that Supermax, you're going to pay it. Like, there's no way that you can pay Jokic the, what, $240 million or whatever he's going to get and, and, you know, stay out of the tax. It's just not going to happen. But it, it, the Nuggets have proven they're going to pay it. And I think Michael Porter Jr. is well worth it. Like, I understand there's some consternation that he, quote unquote, hasn't earned it on the court, I guess. But you watched the minutes that he has played. And if you were going to say, yes, he's going to be a difference making all star player, multiple all star, perennial dangerous threat, consistently one of the best shooters in the NBA from range, like he's going to be that forever. Uh, so if he's going to be that for as long as he is healthy and he's been healthy, then there's really no reason not to give him the contract because somebody would. That's just where you're at. If you think he's not worth it and you don't think you should have paid Michael Porter this deal, well, someone else is going to pay it. So you were going to lose him like that. You're just saying, I don't want Michael Porter Jr. to play for me long term. If you're not going to pay him the money. I totally agree. I want to pay him. I'm glad they paid him. I expected an out for an injury clause, but that may be in the details um, as to what his, you know, if there are any injury savings, my guess is it's probably all to insurance. So they just, he's, it, you know, they'll get paid back on this deal. As long as he was able to be insured, then it's, it is what it is. Totally agree. And those are the kinds of details that don't necessarily leak in this scenario until right. probably like a week in a week out uh, as, as people can kind of collect that information and things get finalized to the league, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, all these contracts, like these are agreed on terms. The paperwork probably has not been submitted to the league yet for the extension. So right. he, they've, we have agreed to terms. All the contracting is, is agreed to, but no one has like signed off on that in triplicate and sent it in and done all the nonsense. So this season, 21-22, the Nuggets are just under 800,000, 800, excuse, excuse me, uh, in room below the luxury tax line. Room. 
<laughs> uh, yeah. So there's 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 not a lot of room there. They they're doing their best to stay under. And and to be frank, I don't blame them, especially oh. this season. Uh, this because season they should definitely stay under. Yeah, because once people see the repeater, once people see the bill that's about to come due in 23-24, it's going to be pretty insane. But for 22-23, at this current moment in time, if Jamichael Green and Jeff Green were to opt into their contracts, Denver would have 10 players and $155.9 million in projected salary cap or in projected salary. The salary cap is $119 million. And the luxury tax line is a projected 145 billion. So, so they are 10.9 million over already with 10 players. Yep. And that doesn't include Faku. That doesn't include PJ. That doesn't include Bull Bull, Vlaco Chanchar, Austin Rivers, or any potential addition that they would want to make. So yep. it is going to get dangerous quickly. And the Nuggets are going to be in a very interesting spot here where I, uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see how they handle those details um, because it gets pretty difficult to sort of navigate those waters when you're talking about uh, trying to spend an extra $5 million on a role player, but it has, it's actually in reality going to cost $20 million because of the luxury tax. So right. how do you think this is going to go down? Do you think they're going to try to cut corners like that, or, or did the Cronkies just our signal that they're going to be all in. Well, I mean, I think you saw one of the ways already. They signed somebody, or they rather they drafted somebody in Bones Highland who is directly set in his skill set to replace Will Barton. Mm-hmm. So they have Will Barton, and then next year they also have Will Barton for, he's under contract, but could be moved. You could get a trade exception out of it. You know, um, and they, if Bones shows out, then he is making many millions less than Barton is making for the next three years after this. Right. So, you know, if you can get those guys and you can avoid paying your, your six man type guys, which I, I understand, but Barton is capable of starting and we don't know. We, we haven't seen one minute from Bose Highland in an NBA game yet. Like True. let's, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. But the draft process, they they could have drafted a defender. They could have drafted any number of things. And they drafted the closest thing to Will Barton that you could get in the draft. You know. I'm, I'm totally with you. This is, uh, this is going to be one of those situations where you want to keep as many rookie contracts on the books yep. as possible. Because those guys are going to be cheap. They're not going to be cheap for long. But for the time being, and with as many of those potential first-round picks as you can get, uh, that is a great thing for Denver to have. What Gordon um, coming back to is another one of those where you're trying to get a guy who you know doesn't have any veteran standing, but is a veteran. Like Cornelly's paid, you know, he's he's played in the Olympics. He's played for you know in, in Europe for many years. He just had his breakout at like age 25, and that's great. Like if, if this is legit, his last year, year and a half is legit. And that's who he is. Then he is perfectly capable as a role player. And the nuggets will have him on essentially a minimum salary for several years. Yeah. The Vlaco Chanchar deal. Like that's the, the three year deal where you take a flyer on somebody that uh, he may or may not play, but you, you want to see if how many of those guys can be successful or not. And, uh, that's that's kind of the direction that this team is going to have to go. They're going to have yeah, to cut have those to. corners, and 
And I think that that's something that's just kind of signed into the contracts of this stuff that, hey, you've committed to a core four. You've committed to four players with as much money as they have in Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, and Aaron Gordon. Uh, yeah. they, they're going to brand like that. Then Will Barton is a part of things. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but uh, he kind of like Monte Morris, kind of like Jamichael Green, Jeff Green, uh, Faku, PJ, Zeke Naji, et cetera. They're, they're kind of the surrounding pieces to accentuate what is the core for for what the Nuggets have built and brought in. So you can exchange those guys. You can pull the San Antonio Spurs model, build around three to four players, and then hope and, and pray that you find the right mix. That's just yes. kind of how you have to find sustainable success. Well, and the, the lucky thing is in the regular season, Nicole Jokic can drag the Nuggets to a home court advantage no matter what's happening, basically. Like that, that that's just who he is. It's just the way that they play. It's part of an artifact of the way that the NBA is scheduled, that you can't really game plan for guys. You know, you're going to hit teams on, on back-to-backs and low rest days. You know, and Jokic is an MVP now, and he's in shape, and he knows what's going on. And for as long as that guy is in the center of your lineup, literally and figuratively, you're good to go. Like that, you will be a contender, and you're just trying to get the right pieces around him, as as you would Tim Duncan. Like if you view this as a, you know, I really think the Spurs are the uh, are the model for that. You know, if Duncan is Jokic, and I understand that that will offend Duncan fans for whom they love his defensive acumen and sneer at Jokic's, but still, if he's your Duncan, and you're, you know, your Tony Parker is going to be Jamal Murray, and then you've got, you know, Manu Ginobili as the, you know, is going to be your MPJ, essentially, even though he's not coming off mm-hmm. the bench, you know, that you're, that's where you are, that's what you're looking for, and then you're just trying to get the pieces, and no matter how many of them you exchange around there, you know what you're doing for the next three to four years, you know where you're at. You know what your plan is. And then you'll see if you need to change it. But the Nuggets are going with the young guys that they've added. They made sure they didn't lose out on Aaron Gordon, um, who loves playing with MPJ and vice versa. You've got guys, you've got, you know, you have Murray and Jokic who love playing together. You're trying yeah. to get these guys who can be on the court together, support each other. I remember um, Tony Parker talking about playing with Tim Duncan when he first got to America. And Tony Parker was like, I was intimidated as hell because I did something wrong. And Tim Duncan was like, what the hell are you doing? You know, and he's like, but I, you know, I think I can play, but this guy is everything. This guy is the greatest player. And I have to figure out how to match up as a young guard from another country. You know, uh, MPJ has to step into the Murray Yogesh dynamic. And he struggled with that, honestly, in the playoffs because they hadn't played together enough. Yep. You know, uh, in the bubble, they 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 did not know how to use MPJ because he was not part of the pick and roll one five that the Nuggets do. Um, the Nuggets are now going to develop an entire other thing without Jamal Murray for the next three, four or five months. Um, that will hopefully expand on MPJ's game. And then they're going to have to figure out how to fit the one thing that they used to do, which was Jokic and Murray and then everybody else goes away. And the other thing they're going to be doing now, which is MPJ and Jokic and everyone else is, you know, just filling in. And they're going to have to marry those things together. And I think it can really work. I think this is good for expanding MPJ's game, but it's going to be a process. So the Nuggets are in for a couple of processes. It's fine. 
they've mastered the process much better than uh, the Philadelphia 76ers have. So I'm, I'm happy to see what the next stage of this process is going to look like. And the Nuggets now have bought themselves enough time by paying crazy amounts of cash. They have bought themselves enough time to figure it out and let teams like the Lakers age out and then uh, see where they're at. My one concern is that they're not going to have enough patience during this process, but from all, for, from all accounts, it, it sounds like they're willing to be patient with somebody like Murray. Yep. Uh, if, if this is just a lost year because they're trying to adjust everybody, then so be it. But next year's the one at that point where you, you're going to have, you're going to have go time. Uh, that's, that's really it. You have um, your excuses this year. You're not going to have them next year, man. Like it's going to have to be, you guys get this together or we're going to have to change something. And whether that it's, it can't be players, they're all under contract. I mean, it could be, but you would require a major trade. At that point, yeah. you'd be looking at maybe Malone's not the guy. So that, I mean, that's the easiest thing to change is the coach you're paying a couple million bucks is obviously the easiest thing to change. But the Nuggets are looking at their situation like we have a, a nucleus for until like 2025 when Jamal Murray's contract's up. We've got a nucleus. Uh, we should be able to get vets in on cheaper contracts as other contenders do. We should be able to get guys who are like in their last couple of years trying to buy a ring. You know, the Nuggets should be available for that for the first time since I've been alive. Like they should yeah. be available for those sorts of things. So you're hoping that that pays off. And since everyone in the world loves playing with Jokic, you've got a shot. This is not one of those guys who's really hard to play with. Uh, so uh, the Nuggets have set themselves up in a very good situation for a number of years. And as Nuggets fans, I got to say, it's, it's a really nice change from five, six years ago where nobody knew what the hell was going on. <laughs> really quick before we go to a break here, uh, I want to I wanna circle back to MPJ, circle back to how likely it is that he meets that all-NBA requirement this year. Uh, Unlikely. Uh, injuries, injuries could make it happen. Um, so I, yeah. Here, here were last year's six all NBA forwards: uh, yes. Giannis, yep. Kawhi, yep. LeBron, yep. Julius Randle, Jimmy Butler, Paul George. Sure, um, Kawhi is out, and and he's yes. obviously not going to be back in in that conversation. He may not play at all. Um, well, he had he, pass, a, he had a partial right. He had a partial tear. He had a partial tear. I I just I have no idea how to quantify that. I, <laughs> it, it's, the thing is, if you come back correctly from a partial tear. Um, the guy who had surgery and came back, the, the time frame you're looking at is Spencer Dinwiddie. That's mm. that he had the partial ACL. He had the surgery. He was back six months after surgery. That's, that's about what you look at if partial work. So in that sense, Kawhi could very well be around for four months of the season. Wow. That would be, that'd be it fascinating. Just depends on him. It just depends on him. And it depends on, on what the, um, like how well it heals, whether that all works, um, how fast he gets up to speed. But four months of Kawhi could absolutely make a third team all NBA. So I would be unsurprised at all for him to buy LA votes and get that. That would not surprise me. Let's say he doesn't though. Let's say, yep. let's say that's one of the spots that opens up and let's say Julius Randall regresses a little yeah, bit. That's yeah. something that I can definitely see. Um, there are some other players though, that I think you really have to have to account for in this case uh kevin durant jason tatum yep, zion yep. williamson yep chris middleton mm -hmm. brandon ingram 
Pascal Siakam and even Anthony Davis, depending on if he's going to actually play center or not. Like that's, yeah. I think that's an open question. Don't you think? I do. And, and again, I, th- I just think expecting MPJ to get it this year. I do think he's going to make an all NBA team. Like, I don't think it's going to be this year, even though this year will be a year that showcases him. It will also be a year where teams game plan for him. You're not the fourth option. And I know we don't do game planning like we do in the playoffs, but still he's going to get attacked at some things and he's going to be using a lot of energy on offense as the second like option, you know, technically the first option, probably a number of shots. Like who do you think is going to take most more shots this year? Jokic or uh, MBJ? It's really close. Uh, I think you're, they're probably going to be battling back and forth. I bet they probably each have about 17. Yeah. 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 I'm thinking 17 or 18 each. Like, so, yeah. I mean, he'll have a lot of offensive role there. And he, he put up 19 points last year without that many shots. Like MPJ was ridiculously efficient last year. Um, he had what the most efficient season for a non-center in history. Yeah. It was, I think it was for a, for a 19 point score. He had the yep. most efficient season other than Will Chamberlain. Right. Uh, in an era where there were no three pointers and everybody was grocery baggers. True. Like, you know, it's, yeah, that's just so far back in NBA history if they're not comparable, like, stat-wise. Um, so, MPJ, it, I, I definitely expect Porter to get a lot of offensive touches, to be run around the court a lot. Like, he's going to have a lot of weight on him, and I think that will get him points. But I, I do not, I, I, I would not put money on him making an all-NBA team. I just think there's too many guys out there who are established. Um, I think Porter is more likely to get most improved. Um, and that way voters feel like they gave him something without giving him an all NBA or, you know, I think he has an outside chance to make an all-star team. Uh, it's probably not going to happen. I, I wouldn't bet on it, but given Kawhi is going to be out, uh, I think you could argue that like Brandon Ingram and guys like that aren't going to be in the mix if, if they aren't winning. And if Michael Porter is averaging 24, 25. Yeah. His point total should be, should be able to get by him votes early. He should show up early. The biggest thing with all in with uh, all stars is it's what you did in the first like six weeks of the season that gets you into the, that gets you into the all-star game. And with the all NBA, that's not what it is. So because it's an end of the year award, so all-star game is easier to make with a hot start, and I would expect MPJ to start hot. Tell you what, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the rest of media day today because that happened. There are different, definitely interesting things something that I want to cover. Today? What? Yeah, yeah, some, something, something small. Like there's, there's a couple things. We even got to speak to uh, young Jamal Murray. Uh, yep. We will be right back. and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much for tuning in joined today by gordon gross who has graciously uh come on the podcast and to help me break down some really big news with michael porter having his big extension and this team is now just they're locked in they know they know the direction that they're going and i think you could really sense that at media day today where everybody it felt like it was pretty good mood felt like it was uh just a a a really good spot where everybody was uh do you have any 
general or specific takeaways from from your stuff today, or do you want me to just jump into specific players based off of what I they mean, said? I just watching everyone from coaches to players to you know whatever. It's just one of those things where they seem to feel really comfortable with where they're at. I I have been to media days like I remember Kenneth Fareed freaking out on one of the media days. Oh yeah. Um. Okay. Like there have been times where you know people who are just mad. Like I have to be here because it's in my contract kind of angry people. Um, and that is not the vibe of the Nuggets. The vibe of the Nuggets is always good. Even like Murray, who's, you know, got a knee blown out. And is what he say? He was on day 157 of his rehab. What day was it? 159. 159. He knows. He knows because he keeps because he's obsessive. That that dude is, I will tell you, as a former uh, physical rehab therapist, uh, it's uh, those are your best and your worst clients because they will do every damn thing you tell them to do except for be patient. Like they will do everything in their power to do everything because they're control freaks and they want to be in control of the situation. <clears throat> and that's great. But when you tell them that's enough, don't overwork it. That's enough. And they're like, no, it, it, it can't be enough. I need to keep going. I'm glad that he has found the correct tension for that. But yes, I absolutely believe he's checking off days, you know, like a kid waiting for Santa Claus, you know, for his first, you're allowed to like, you know, do this kind of game action. You're allowed to do these things. You're allowed to whatever. Like he, you, you know, he loves being around the team. Um, he said he was going to try to break down film and be an yeah. assistant coach. And he, he just breathes basketball. It's one of the reasons that Malone loves him. Malone adores Murray because Murray is has that same kind of devourer, never satisfied kind of guy. And um, I love that for him. And I love that for the Nuggets, really. It's such a it's it's so great that your your injured point guard is like, I will be doing as much as this as I can injured. Your ass better be doing as much as you can healthy. Like that yeah. is your job. And so they're being pushed because you have this this dynamic between Murray and Jokic where Jokic uh, MPJ talked about it on uh, JJ Reddick's podcast, you know, where he was like, I think, you know, he's like, he's, he's in shape now, but back when I first got here, he was just this fat dude who went back to Serbia, drank beer for a month, ate a bunch of crap, rolled back in with no practice and just demolished everyone. Like he's <laughs> just that good. And now he's in shape, you know, and it's, it, but it's, it's that sort of thing where, where Jokic is like, look guys, I just want you guys to, to be good. But Jokic is a demanding genius on the court. And, and Murray is a demanding, a self-demanding. Like he, he puts a lot of weight on himself off the court and on, but off also. Sure. And you, you get these two things where you have to understand the game. You have to understand where you're supposed to be because Jokic will know where you're supposed to be. And he will tell you, you were not where you were supposed to be. You did not cut. You did not see the thing. And I'm going to point it out to you in film that you missed this and you missed that because when everyone's on the same page, we saw it with Aaron Gordon when he first got there and they had that beautiful little stretch where all of a sudden it was like, yeah, they're unstoppable. Like, <laughs> I, I, you know, you got your what, eight games or whatever we had before Murray blew his knee out. But you were like, holy crap. Like, pretty good. <laughs> Things are going who's, well. Who's going to stop these guys? Yeah, things were going well. And then we got too happy with it. And Nug Life was like, ha, 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 ha. 
But it's, still, uh, like the Nuggets yeah. know that they have that. They've seen it. But really, man, once, once you've touched that kind of holy shit grail, like once you've seen it, then you know it can be there. You know it can be achieved, and the Nuggets have that in their minds still. Like the playoff exit is nothing. They were out there with like, you know, two-way guys and, you know, last second, like free agent pickups like Austin Rivers trying right. to patch it together. But that's not going to be the way it is to start the year. Yeah, they're not going to have Murray. But you can tell at these media days that they really want to get out there and show some stuff. Morris wanted it. Morris is like, I got more to my game. Barton's like, I got more to my game. Like, they've been lifting. They've been working out. They've been getting ready. They know the minutes that are available. And this whole team is really, they just look focused, man. Chill, but confident. And I love seeing it. It was uh, that's all I got out of like the the generics of media day, rather than the specifics. I just got that general vibe of of a team that knows it can make real noise even before ball comes back. It's pretty clear, uh, just based off of listening to this group, based off of who's back, why they're back, why various veterans decided to resign that they believe that they have something special. It's something that they've iterated over and over and over again, that Austin rivers, he accepted a minimum contract to come back to this team because he found a situation that he really liked and wants to see it through. Will Barton took less money to come back to the nuggets for the second time. He wants to see this through Jamichael green. He wanted a little bit of a raise, but he also wanted a little bit extra security and I don't blame him. But he got it from the Nuggets and, and felt very comfortable with that, felt like they had unfinished business, that this is a championship caliber team and that they're very hungry. Uh, I, I'm in full agreement, man. It, it felt like there were, the word championship was definitely, it was definitely something that this team understands that they like, like you saw with the Nirvana, like, like to the, to the, the golden time that this Nuggets team had, they were able to fully realize that for just a short amount of time. And so they know what it's going to look like when they finally see it again. And my hope is that they continue to work towards that. They continue to look for that with this, with Jamal, with, with Jamal Murray, without Jamal Murray, uh, however it is. Uh, it, it definitely seems to me like this is a, a group that can do it, and they are going to attack it from the get-go. So I'm hopeful that this team approaches this training camp with the same vigor and the same uh, emphasis and, and just just uh, passion that they approach media day because yep. it felt different. It really did. <clears throat> no, I, I, I love the way it felt. Like I said, I, uh, for a team that knows, like, for a while it's been don't skip steps. Like, you know, our goal is a championship. You know, always every year, that's our goal. But now it's like, no, our expectation is that we should be competing for a championship. It's not a goal. It's not like, well, that's the goal that we should set for ourselves. It's, uh, who, who was it Morris that said this is a championship or bust? Like, yeah. he's like, yeah, look, man, like, I don't care that, that Murray's not here. And honestly, you look at the number of guys that the Nuggets have, if they can stay healthy, Dear God, knock on every bit of wood you can find. If they can stay healthy and then Murray can come back and add in even what you would expect from like Monty Morris off the bench or whatever, 
Like, I don't need him to be like amazing Jamal Murray. I just need him to be better than Austin Rivers. Like, you know what I mean? Like you push Austin Rivers out of the playoff lineup. Yeah, or like better than than like or the best backup point guard in the NBA to yeah. that to that level where yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you just you're just dynamic and you you provide a little bit different energy. And so and to, to your points about the championship or bust, uh Michael Malone actually said the opposite for, for him. He says, I know for me, it's not championship or bust. If you're truly serious about winning a championship, though, it will show up every practice, yep. every weight session. Uh, I do like what he said that he's trying to temper expectations a little bit. That's saying, hey, look, if you if you don't win the championship, it doesn't mean that you didn't have a successful year. But if, well, this I mean, if team... I was a coach, I'd want to say that, too. Like, yeah, don't judge me yeah, on yeah, winning true. a ring for a team that's never <laughs> won one. Calm true. down about yourself. But I'm also I'm also in full agreement with him that hey, look, this team they've proven themselves over the last three years. They deserve to be talked about as one of the top teams of the NBA, especially when healthy. So when they get back to that point, I I do think that they are going to look like uh, the best team because that's well, that's how I that's how I believe in them. And the thing that I love is you know in the sense of championship or bust, it's not like it is for the Lakers where you're loading up with 36 year old dudes. Like the Nuggets, if, if they're championship or bust, they're like next year we have just as good a chance, if not better, to win one than this year. So yes, we expect to compete for the title this year, but also next year and also the year after that. Like we have set our team up that this should be our window. Our window is 22 to 26. You know, like that's, that's your window. Go make it happen. And they've done everything that they can to do that. And the media stuff has reflected it. All the media day interviews. Everybody seems to be on the same page. They love playing basketball, but they want to win. And those are, that's a really great place to be. That'll help you carry through those crappy Februaries, man. Let's wrap up on the, like, uh, let's wrap up this segment on, on the the Jamal Murray quotes from today. Uh, Not just from him, but from everybody talking about him. Uh, Michael Malone said, there's not anybody, any there's not another Jamal Murray on the team. I don't want anybody trying to be Jamal. It right. is by committee. We are going to need the best from everyone. Uh, makes sense. You don't want to yep. turn Michael Porter into Jamal Murray. You want them to find something different so that when they all kind of blend together, they're not stepping on each other's toes. Morris too, man. I don't want Morris trying to be Murray. That's not his game. He plays point guard differently. Be different. Be Morris. Don't be Murray. On Jamal Murray's status, he said he looks great, doing very well in his rehab. More importantly, he's doing very well mentally on all accounts, both physically and mentally. Jamal is doing well. Great to hear. Five months out, uh, Jamal himself said specifically the toughest part was the mental aspect of things. So I'm, I'm, it's a good thing that he's he's staying engaged like this. Yeah, the the thing with rehab is the physical stuff is fine. I mean, it sucks if you're a non-athlete. It sucks if you're an athlete too. But, like, you've worked out before. You know what I mean? Like, you've worked hard to make, a, you know, varsity. You worked hard for your college team. You worked hard when you were a rookie. You worked hard. Working hard is not the problem. The problem is waiting. And it's that yeah. mental grind of, I'm, I can only do so much today or I'll set myself back. So I have to do everything I can do, but I cannot do everything I want to do. And that, finding that balance is really, really hard. So I, I would expect him to say the mental part was toughest. And I, I, he seems to have sailed through a bunch of that with, with flying colors, honestly. Tim Connolly on Jamal Murray's rehab. He has attacked rehab the way that we thought he would. He'll come oh. back when he's ready. We are in zero rush. Yeah. Uh, they they are not going to rush him. 
that the whole reason that I don't want to say the whole reason, but they definitely were thrilled to sign Barton to that extension because that gives them time. They have a they have multiple cars. They've got Morris, they've got Dozier, they've got Barton, especially, you know, who can fill in some of these gaps. You got Faku, who's there, who um I I feel is behind Barton and Morris, but you've got these guys who can handle the position so that Murray does not have to rush back. You know, you're not out there without a point guard and, and you can't, you, you can't wait long enough. You have to save your playoff run by making him get in there in January. You couldn't let him wait until he's ready. Like, and you need to for his career, for his longevity, but you made sure that now he shouldn't have to feel that pressure because the team should be able to survive without him and he can come back when he needs to so that they can thrive. Speaking of which, Faku said that he and Monte will do the best they can to, quote, hide the fact that Murray is missing the first half of the year. Uh, Said he's excited about the idea of running more. That's really good. Um, And then Jamal Murray specifically. He said he wants to come back 100%, not 85% uh, when he's ready, not before. Um, He said that he had no timetable for his return, uh, that he's day 159 since surgery. Uh, yep. was was very specific about that and and for good reason. Uh, he's over five months. I think that that's where we can really put him at this point. Uh, in your perspective here, based off of somebody who meets all of the check marks, meets all of the benchmarks, I know it's a case by case basis. But if you had to pick and circle a date right now that you hope that he could get back by, what would you set it at? I was still hitting him for March first, man. Um, now he may make it back in February. Um, but you're hoping for a post all-star return. Anything earlier than that, in my opinion, is probably rushing. Um, now I get it that that's not having seen anything. Um, but you're, you're expecting him to meet, you know, top 10% goals. And I'm telling you that basketball players take longer with ACLs just because unlike football players, I understand football players have other people hitting them in the knee, but the turf moves. When your foot sticks on a hardwood surface with a rubber shoe, your whole body weight goes over that. Yeah. And basketball players are not small people. Uh, this is a big deal, and I, I want him to be ready for that full sprint, full stop, not having to baby his knee. I have him on the same timetable that I had for Zach Levine, Zach Levine pretty much hit that 11-month mark and was good. So I, I think he's on the Zach Levine timetable, and I think you're looking at, I think you're looking at Mark. But uh, post-All-Star break for sure, and he seems on schedule for that perfectly, and that's terrific. Post-All-Star break is, is over 55 games out. Yep. Uh, so I think what this Nuggets team really has to appreciate and what fans have to appreciate is that these are going to be two separate seasons and yes. it's going to feel like a full season before Jamal's even ready. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I hope that people take a, a like take his return with a grain of salt. Uh, Zach Levine didn't show up and was he, he wasn't elite when he showed up. He still had to kick off the rust for obvious reasons. Yep. Um, when Murray comes back, he's going to have like it's it's gonna have not been a long time since he started five on five and and just getting back to game speed and trusting the knee fully. So he's going to take some time in order to do that. And putting those expectations of him being a savior is is a bad idea. So 
hopefully Denver is a two or three seed at that point, and it doesn't even matter. I, I want him to be a rotation player. Like, I want him, you, you want him to be one of the seven or eight best guys on the floor. <clears throat> you want him to be able to handle his matchups. You want him to be able to take it to backup units, you know, and to accentuate what you've already done. But I, I do not expect him to, I don't expect the Nuggets to throw over their rotation. Um, I expect him to be on minutes restrictions when he comes back, um, which will necessarily put him into some bench roles. Um, and then they'll work it out. Like he may be starting in the playoffs and that may be fine, but we're going to find out with that last, you know, two dozen games of the season where he's at and what he's ready for. So just be ready. It's the nuggets. Like you said, they have the ability to be a top three seed without him. Imagine what they can do with him. Even, even just coming back off of this, imagine what they can do. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Jamal was in good spirits, uh, despite the fact that he was he sounded pretty sad talking about some of this stuff. I do think that he was in good spirits and making a couple jokes here or there, uh, just fully understanding, hey, but just I understand the physical rigors of this, and, and I am one of the most strong people mentally that could and potentially hates, deal with this. He hates media day. The fact that he was even cracking some jokes means that he felt amazing because that guy hates talking to the media so much. <clears throat> that I, I love that he was able to like come out there and put out some real feeling quotes and some heartfelt uh, statements um, about where he's at in rehab and, you know, actually talk to the media about what was going on because, yeah, he's, he hates this obligation stuff. He just wants to play basketball. He's a basketball player. And, uh, yeah, I, I really can't wait to see him, but we're going to have to wait a while. Takes a lot of courage to face the media when you're only halfway back from your ACL recovery. So, right, and I, you have to talk yeah, about it. Exactly. So it's he's he's one of the strongest and most competitive people that I've ever met, and and I definitely think that he's got the he's got a good head on his shoulders and he's going to be fine through this. It's just going to be about being patient, and he's going to be patient too. Yep. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up with the, the media day tidbits that we heard throughout the day and, and potentially talk, talk on something that's a little bit less uh, fun. We'll be right back. Pickaxe and Roll final segment here, joined by Gordon Gross. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into this podcast. I really appreciate it. If you could leave a rating and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, that would be awesome. Um, okay, let's just kind of go rapid fire through some of these. Uh, I'm just going to look through some of these other little tidbits um, that we heard from these guys uh, from the notes that I had. Uh, let's start with Tim Connolly. He said that Bones Highland has been impressive in the team's open runs and that we are exponentially more impressed by Bones, the player and person than we were a couple months ago. Uh, you tend to hear that from, from guys as well. And it's, it's uh, Will Barton back uh, when he spoke. It was Monte back when he spoke yep. to Faku today, said that he really likes Bones, said that he competes, brings great energy, and he complimented Bones's pick and roll ability, which... That's kind of a need for this team while Jamal Murray's out, don't you think? 
I do think. Um, and the thing with Bones, it the the team that he played on in in college, the way the way they were set up is so different than the way the Nuggets are set up that you really had to extrapolate from his uh, from his college tape to be like, well, what's he going to do? How is he going to play? But man, you see that unlimited range. You see what he can do off the bounce. You hear you hear Faku talking about his pick and roll potential. I'm looking forward to good things from Faku too. By the way, um, having gotten the first half of his NBA adjustment out of the way, like I I do expect him now. The game is played differently, and he is now aware of it. I, I expect him to take full advantage of that. Um, Agreed. And to and and to better captain a squad that needs his direction. Like uh, he's going to be on the bench with guys like Bones Highland. It's going to be his job to make sure Bones gets the shot up, you know? And I, I, I expect Bones to play, man. Like the Nuggets do not have a huge track record of playing late first round picks a lot. Like that's not a thing. Like Najee didn't get much run. Uh, RJ Hampton only got it because every guard on earth went down. Like uh, Malik Beasley didn't get much run the first couple years. Tyler uh, Lydon. Uh, he wasn't a guard, thank God. He wasn't anything, really. <laughs> um, but, uh, like, that's just their... their uh, the way that they go is is they tend to go with um, more guards who've, who've seen a bit more, um, and they don't tend to use the guards that they have um, or the, the young players, the rooks, the 19-year-olds, you know, that they've got, the 20-year-olds. Uh, but yeah. I, expect, I expect Bones to break that mold. I expect him to play. I expect him to be in the rotation, even though they do have a lot of guards. You know, the Nuggets have a Dozier, although I think Dozier's going to be playing up a bunch off the bench. He's going to be either down at the one or up at the three. I think they're going to leave some shooting guard minutes for, for Bones. Um, and it makes a lot of sense to do that, right? Like, yeah. given that this team has, has had trouble spacing the floor in the past, they've had some trouble creating their own shot off the, off the bench in the past. You want to give a guy like that an opportunity to at least prove that he can't do it, and, and if he can't, then then you you pivot and you figure it out. I, he the summer league doesn't mean much, but it does mean something. Uh, and when you watch a guy saunter into um, a gym with basically no practice and demolish guys who have been there trying to play real hard. Mm-hmm. Um, like Bones was casual about how great he was in summer league. If you ever want to know what playing within himself looks like, that's what Bones was doing. He was like, oh, I'm just going to hang around. Oh, I'm going to take this to the, to the rack and dunk it. Oh, here comes a 35 footer. Oh, here's my no look pass assist from the three point line. Oh, here's my fast break start off of a steal. Like he was casual, man. Like he was like, it was basically a demo. He was like, here's me showing you the things that I can do on the court. This has been fun. And he was just head and shoulders better than a lot of the guys he was looking down the court at. Um, I, I was very, very impressed with him in the summer league. I was impressed with him in college. Um, and I didn't know him as a person. I, I knew I've only seen what has come out pretty much since the Nuggets drafted him. But as a person, he's also the kind of person who will succeed because he's not putting the kind of pressure on himself. He's not going to grind himself into the floor because um, he loves playing basketball too much. Like he, he's another True. guy that feels at home on the court. Um, and, and you see I was what happened. Yeah. I was going to call him a natural baller. Like that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's how I would describe him. And, and just the way that he plays, the way that he saw the game immediately yep. in summer league. Uh, 
I, I'm going to make, and, and I, I went ahead and made this prediction on a pod previously, but uh, I think that by December 1st, he is in the rotation permanently. Yep, I agree. Which is insanity. So, I did, Well, it's, it just means that he's the right guy, right? Like yeah. they, they picked um, a guy that they thought could fit their system, fit their team, fit their culture, because culture matters. Um, and we used to, you know, by about year three of hearing about culture, you know, we used to poo-poo it. Um, I, I've been watching the Sixers, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I got to tell you, culture does matter. And I don't care how talented you are. If your culture is shit, then um, it's pretty, pretty hard for your team to be a championship team. So the Nuggets wanted to make sure they didn't screw up the culture. They grabbed a guy who's going to fit in everywhere, who loves all of his teammates, who is beloved by his teammates at every level he's ever played at. And now you just want to see him um, take those steps, learn those things he's going to have to learn because defense is going to be one of them. Um, but I expect him to be in the bench rotation. Absolutely. I, uh, I fully expect to see him and getting shot, not just playing, but not like an off ball guy, but like they're going to run plays for bone. Um, because the way that he can shoot the ball is pretty special. Um, and because he's open from anywhere, that's going to help their bench unit out immensely. I love it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch him, man. I, I, I've totally, I totally done a U-turn on, on where we were back at draft night. And maybe I should right. I be was more happy. specific. You, were, you wanted... I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. be more specific and say I, that I, I had questions about his size. I had questions about his ability on the defensive end to make an impact. And uh, maybe I was wrong in thinking that, hey, this, this team needs that particular player to be the best defensive player that they can get. Uh, it might not need that. It might just need Aaron Gordon and Will Barton and Faka Campazzo and PJ Dozier to be good. And that's fine. Yeah. So we will see. Um, we spoke to Jermichael Green, and he didn't really have that much to say. He's a very... Uh, that's not his style. Not, yeah, st- not soft-spoken, but like brief. He's and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Oh, he did, he did say who impressed him in the runs, and he was very quick about it, was Aaron Gordon. Uh, yes. Specifically, the confidence in his jump shot, which that's what surprised me. Um, Aaron Gordon shot 26% from three for the Nuggets in uh, during his time in the regular season last year, yep. and he made zero threes against the Suns. If he's more <laughs> comfortable as a three-point shooter this year, and he's like a 38% guy or something like that, at least at moderate volume, then he'd be a borderline top 50 player. Am I wrong? No, you're, you're right. And he's gotten like, he's had seasons where he's been like a 33, 34% free throw shooter or a uh, three point shooter before. Uh, and yeah, I he's even been he's, higher than that. Yeah. Yeah. But like hanging out, hanging out with MPJ, like re, there's, there's a, um, Back in the day when I was a child and I didn't understand uh, racism, I used to read a bunch of Rudyard Kipling novels. And uh, it was just so stories. And there's one about um, basically um, the hedgehog um, and the porcupine. And uh, you wind up, how do you, it's like how, how creatures got made. And you see like the hedgehog and the turtle make the porcupine. Um, and one of them teaches the other one its trick. So the hedgehog is teaching the turtle how to roll up. You know, and, and the turtles figuring how to get spikes, and all of a sudden it doesn't know what to do with this new creature. Um, I I would love for them to share their secrets with each other, honestly. Um, here's how you play defense, <laughs> MPJ. Here's how you shoot threes, Aaron Gordon. Like, you know, <laughs> share share your knowledge, become hybrid players. That's terrific. 
Like definitely go around with each other, teach each other your strong points. Um, it can only help you become better players. Because uh, those two guys together are phenomenal with what they can bring to the court. And Aaron Gordon shooting threes, that would be pretty useful. Excellent reference. Uh, when you when you're, I, I would amend it to when you're with somebody. If you're if you're a partner with somebody, you start to pick up on their mannerisms. You start to yep. talk like them, laugh like them, think about think about their jokes. Like, yeah, it's it's definitely like that. Where if those guys are around each other, hopefully they can they can learn some things by osmosis. That would be great. Yep. Um, Zeke Naji. Uh, he surprised me today. He said that he sees himself as a forward, as a wing, uh, and that's that's the position that he saw himself playing the most. And I was sort of surprised by that because Jamichael Green is a four, maybe maybe a small ball five. Right. Uh, Jeff Green is a four, maybe a small ball five, and Zeke Nashi potentially could have an opportunity at the five if he if he developed that way, but he sees himself as a forward. Uh, what do you think of that? Um, I'm not sure that he knows what he needs to be. And I'm getting Trey Lyles, bud. Mm, that's, Ooh, that's, that's an interesting one. Okay. Go on. So I, I knowing who you are as a player is important and knowing what role you need to fill for a team is important. And those two things may not be the same thing, and watching Najee in summer league, he looked lost. Um, and so I'm just hoping that whichever he decides he needs to be the small forward or the power forward or the small center, like whatever role it is he's going to fill for this team is a role that he can find ways to be himself in. That's what I, I want for Zeke. Um, because what I don't want is for him to get lost trying to be things that he's not or trying to give up his game in order to satisfy um, where the minutes will be. I have that for Bull. I have that for Najee. Um, I, those, that's my concern with both of those guys, is, is that I understand that you guys are in this weird position where the Nuggets, the nuggets don't necessarily um, have a place for you to specifically shine. They're not going to design plays for you. Um, but both Bull and Najee are going to have to figure out who they are as players and what role they can succeed in being themselves. Because I've seen the Trey Lyles and Tyler Lydon, and like I've watched that that go where guys who don't really find that role and don't really understand who they are can get lost in the NBA real quick. Yeah, and then. And- if he wants to be the best possible player that he can, uh, the most skilled player that he can l- learn the most uh, about himself, then challenging himself to do those things and try to play up a position at the three or the four rather than at the four or five. Uh, it's probably a good idea for his sure. skill set, for his development. Yeah. I think we learned that from Jeremy Grant, actually, where he goes to Detroit instead of playing more as kind of a spot up forward, he's more of a ball handling wing in a lot of cases. And right. though the team wasn't great, Jeremy Grant certainly made a leap. He certainly figured out how to do some things and, and ultimately they raised his profile massively because of it. So I think that there is something to it uh, before this Nuggets team specifically, they have a very specific need for minutes without Jokic and Yep. Zeke Naji profiles as the perfect small ball five, in my opinion, where he gets to pick and pop, 
where he gets to switch up and down the lineup and he gets to move his feet, mirror everything and, and just make a lot of sense within the team context like that. But and I still think that they draft that they signed a guy to do that who's not Najee because they're not sure Najee fits it. And that's poorly. That is exactly his job, man. Um, hmm. it, he's a bigger version of Zeke Najee. What you want from Zeke Najee, right, is to block some shots, hit some threes, be a good center, run the court real fast, like you know, handle transition well. That's what Cornelie did in France. That was his job, you know, for the Olympic team and for um, his, his Eurobasket team. Um, and so if you watched him in the last year, that's what he's doing. You leave him open, he's going to drop threes on you. Like if, you, if you're trying to hit him from the weak side, he's going to come over and block you. Um, he's going to run fast breaks. He's going to take care of all this stuff. And he's a legit seven-footer, unlike Zeke Naji. So what I would love is for Zeke to learn how to do what Cornelie is doing right now. But if Zeke wants to be a three, then he's not going to do that. And that, that's my concern right there, is, is knowing your potential role to minutes and how to maximize what you do. Um, and I, I hope that Zeke's not getting lost in the desire for minutes over, over what his skill set could bring, like you said, as a small ball five. Yeah, the Trey Lyles comparison, that's like nightmare fuel for a lot of fans and Nuggets fans I, like me. I, I just remember how much they, the Nuggets love Trey Lyles. They were willing to destroy an entire draft for him. Um, and it, an entire first round anyway. Thank you, Monte Morris, for saving that draft. <laughs> um, but it, it, it just, it troubles me when, that when Trey came over, he didn't really have any real recognition of of who he was. He just had a recognition of how he'd been done wrong at his last stop. And I, I don't want that for Najee. I want Najee to, to find his role, to not be done dirty, to, to be able to succeed and get his minutes and find his rotation spot and to, to be an effective piece for the Nuggets who do need front court pieces. Because again, Jokic can't play all 48. Like, and neither can Gordon. Like Gordon, Gordon's going to have to take some time off. You know, he's going to need true. some breathers. So you're going to need guys to fill in those minutes. I'm just not sure um, how far down the lineup they're going to go to get those minutes. When you have both greens on the roster, that's going to take up a lot of your four minutes. And so if you need a five, you know, uh, you've also got a green for that. Uh, if you want to go really small ball. <laughs> so you've got to find a way to stand out. Um, unless you want to be like the, you know, the Vlatko, you know, towel waiver who gets into some games occasionally, but for the most part is there as insurance. And I know Nachi doesn't want an insurance kind of career. He wants to actually play. I'm sure uh, Chantra does too. Um, but it, it, it's a matter of how is the team set up? Chantra is, is actually a very physical forward. So he's got some stuff there that he can do that Nachi can't do. Um, Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to try to take advantage of Najee's shooting and his length, then small ball five would make more sense. Um, but I'm with you. I, I, I can see why you say that. I still think that's going to be Cornelie's job, and I'm not sure what minutes Najee's going to get this year. And that's my bold prediction, is that I, I, I don't think Najee's going to get those minutes with Barton being able to play up at the three and Dozier being able to play up at the three behind MPJ, 
And then you've got a couple of forwards behind. A um, couple Aaron greens. Gordon. Yeah, you got a couple greens. Like it, it, it's, it's not set up for him to play that kind of small ball. So that's not where the need is. And so I'm a little concerned hearing that that's where he wants to play. Two more quick things before we head out of here. Uh, Bull Bull, I was pleasantly surprised with what we heard from him. I think the word self-awareness, I think, would describe it pretty well. Agreed. Uh, He said, I just got to stay focused on staying locked in all year and not just when things are going well. Uh, He also said that he hasn't done a good job of being consistent. Uh, being a professional to this point, that he he wanted to change that. And and he said, I hadn't done a good job, which I think that that self-reflection in <clears throat> the in the middle of a media day is is just really, really impressive from a, a young player who sort of owned up to it a little bit. And I and I hope that yes. this is a a nice little turn of a leaf for him and kind of the opposite of, of Zika a little bit here, where Bull Bull, he said he would be willing to play anywhere. And then Zeke sort of named a position that he thought he was going to play. Uh, will Zeke still play at the small ball five? I don't know, but bull bull. Hey, maybe, maybe he's got some, something to, to give. Well, and, and the thing with bull has always been that his game is suited for perimeter play. Um, but he's not built like a normal perimeter player. So it's hard for him to get people to see him that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I am hopeful that if he can keep his focus, like his outside shooting is ridiculous when he wants it to be, man. Um, his ability to wind up and shoot from anywhere, his length on the perimeter. Even, yes, I know he doesn't move his feet that well, but he can just step back. Like the dude is like nine feet long. Like just get, <laughs> you know, get out there and like got arms like the Baba Duke. It's crazy, man. Like I just, <laughs> nice. it, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and so I really want him to succeed. And I really want him to find a spot. And I would assume it would be at the stretch four. That's what he said. He thinks he should be good at. And I would agree with him. But yep. again, that's, that's the spot he's going to fight over with Najee. But if he knows and can commit to the things that he needs to do, you know, he's got all the talent to do some of these things very well. Um, probably off the bench, but that's what Najee is too. So you're just hoping to see one of these young guys step up. You know, uh, uh, Bowl's going to be a free agent after this year where Najee has a couple more with the team. But uh, this is what you're looking for. Like, how do you fit in? How do you make the Nuggets better? Um, what can you offer? Um, off the bench in a ninth, 10th man role, like, what have you got to give? Uh, and I think, Bowl, I agree with you. I think that was a very uh, self-aware statement. And I'm hopeful that it is a new leaf because I really, really want him to be good at things. And what's going to make me happy is that if they decide to send any of these players down to the G League, they have the Nuggets training. The Nuggets own a damn G League team finally. So finally, so whatever they want Bull to learn down in the G League, he'll actually be taught, as opposed to what has happened before. And I understand that they can't because he's not a two-way player, you know. But if you have to rehab him or whatever. And if you have uh, any of these guys that you need to that you need to go get down for just to get some game action in, like at least now anybody who gets sent down there, whether it's Tariq Black or you know whatever guys are actually playing down there, you know you'll have the ability to do that to get them up to speed in the way you want their game to work in gameplay. 
And that's, that's what I'm hoping for. And I'm hoping that that will help make a difference this year in any call-ups they might have and any, God forbid, injury situations where you have to get your two-way players back. You know, that's, yeah. uh, that's going to be a good and useful thing, I think. And I think it would have helped Bull for that to have been the case the last year or two, honestly. Last thing, and truly is the last thing. Uh, we're still living through a pandemic here. And yep. it's it's still global. It's yep. still going on. And there are Delta variants of a very dangerous uh, sickness that is going around and is destroying families and is killing people. It is changing people's lives forever. And we have had a massive conversation surrounding the vaccine and the merits and detriments of a vaccine. and people's right to choose and then their freedoms and things like that. Look, I'm, I'm very staunchly on one side of this and think that this vaccine is medically tested and it's something that should be trustable. Uh, I know that I may be not reaching an entire group when I say that, but I am in the firm belief that if you are not taking this vaccine, then you are making things potentially really fatal for a lot of different people. And we've seen that bear out in the NBA. We've seen a lot of comments across media day that have really been eye openers and have really been uh, not a laughing matter. So I hope that people take this seriously. I hope that people understand that this is a real, real issue. And to not just do their own research, but to do the right research and to trust the medical sources that should be trustworthy in these cases. The thing that you run into is my own research is code for taking the word of some other person who I hope did their research. Because most people can't do their own research. You don't understand medical jargon well enough. You don't understand what all of these actual research papers do you have invented them against any number of you know scenarios um you're relying on the interpretations of other people and just finding interpretations that match up with what you would like to be true doesn't make them true um there have been literal billions of vaccine doses given billions of them um but there are still ICUs being overwhelmed by people who did not take the vaccine and are now taking resources from people who need them. I have friends who have cancer who cannot get into the hospital because all of the beds are taken. I have friends who need surgeries who cannot get them because, you know, quote unquote, optional surgeries have been postponed again. The problem is, is that by optional, they just mean you're not dying this minute. They don't mean what is wrong with you will not kill you. It may, but you, you have to wait for it to become critical <clears throat> um, for it to be able to be treated because there are too many people who are taking up these, um, these facilities. Um, I have friends who are going to quit the medical profession um, as soon as their student loans allow them to because they've just been destroyed um, by having to care for all of these people who are dying of COVID. 
and who could have stopped their symptoms from being this bad. Because that's honestly what the vaccine does is it helps prevent your symptoms from being as bad if you do catch it. And it helps prevent you from giving those symptoms to someone else for whom they are as bad. I have friends who cannot get vaccinated because they have certain disabilities. Um, and and it's, it's very much like watching a bunch of drunk drivers on the road who are not only willing to injure themselves, if it was just you, maybe that's a call you can make. It's just me. If I want to jump out of a plane without a parachute, that's, that's me. That's, I, I can do that. Like, I just made that choice. You're landing on people. You're injuring people on the ground. Like, this is a drunk driving situation where you are not just hurting you. You're killing families. There, there, are, there are consequences to this wait and see. I understand if this was like the second week that people were being vaccinated, that there would be some people who are like, I don't believe it yet. I don't trust it yet. I understand that fear. I do. I, you know, I wasn't anxious to be one of the first ones to get it. I have, um, you know, comorbidities. I have uh, some devastating asthma issues that if I, if, if my lungs were destroyed by COVID, um, I would probably need a lung transplant and I would be unlikely to get it. Uh, that's, that's just the way that it is. So I got the vaccine as soon as I could get it. Um, I understand people who didn't do that, who were healthy and who were like, well, I'm not sure. We're past that time. Um, there have been billions of doses given. We know what the ramifications of COVID are. We know what the outworkings of, of the vaccine are. Um, and the, the problems that come with the vaccine pale in comparison. The problems that come with COVID. And getting a vaccine doesn't let you kill other people. Getting COVID definitely does. Getting COVID disrupts a whole lot of lives, not just yours. And I would really hope that people would take that seriously. I understand that millionaires in the in the NBA are used to people, um, you know, catering to them, and and they've been catered to for many years. But the fact that every person in most of these facilities, from the janitor to the caterer to the the staff, you know, the the physical therapy staff, to everybody who wor- waits on them and works for them has to be vaccinated and this idea that they don't have to do what other people have to do um in order to keep people safe is is honestly offensive to me nba players and and charles barkley famously referenced this back in the day that he's he's not a role model he's not somebody who is meant to be propped up in these situations and used as a beacon of what's right and what's what's the correct course of action I am still at the point where it, it is right now, in this case, in a global pandemic, the intrinsic right to support your public people, to provide the best that you can for those around you and not just think of yourself. Think of people like Carl Anthony Towns. Think of people like probably any of your other family members who have been just affected by COVID. Everybody is connected to somebody who has been impacted by this disease, who's been impacted by this sickness. And I would just hope that people, specifically NBA players, understand this and can fully appreciate this at what has been a really difficult time uh, for a lot of different people. It is not just about you. It is about this entire world. 
And on that bleak note, uh, thank you everybody for listening to this episode of Pickaxe and Roll presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, Gordon, you've been awesome. I really appreciate you hopping on with me, man. Um, you said 11 o'clock. It's later than that. I try. We, we, <laughs> I let you ramble. You know it. Um, thank you so much, everybody, for hopping on. I'll be on with Brandon Ewing tomorrow, and we will be talking about the first day of training camp. We will be back. His name is Skip. His name is Skip. We'll be back then. Talk to you guys very soon. <laughs>